step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. And welcome to another installment of the Gist of Freedom and State. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author Leslie Gist and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African American experience by honoring all the people, past and present, black and white, who, with faith and focus, are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight. And we'd love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347-324-5552. Hello, hello, hello. This is Leslie Gist. Uh, you're listening to The Gist of Freedom. Tonight we have a very special guest. Uh, he is Mr. Michael Webb from the International Youth Leadership Institute out of New York City. Are you on the line, Michael? Good evening, Leslie. Thank you so much for having me on the call. Wonderful. Do we have Zion on the line as well? Michael? Uh, he was going to call in, so I think he might be on hold. Okay. All right. When he comes, when I see his number pop up, I'll bring him in. So for now, let's oh. just start off with you. Uh, you are the founder uh, just introduce yourself to the audience. Well, hello. I have the privilege of uh, speaking with your audience, and I'm very grateful for that. It's a blessing for me. Um, I am the founder of International Youth Leadership Institute. In 1989, 26 years ago, it's been quite a journey. And we started this organization, myself and another young man at the time, Keith Brown. Uh, we started this program because we were concerned about the isolation of youth in our community. Uh, many of our young people never venture out of Harlem or South Bronx or Brooklyn Bed-Stuy, and they have a very limited perception of what the world is about and about their place in the world. The other thing is that if you're a person of African descent and you think that Africa is a bad place and associated with very negative kinds of things, then how can you be whole? How can you be positive? How can your identity, your cultural identity, be intact when you think that about the origin of your people? And what's ironic is that everyone actually is descended from Africa. Everyone is a person of African descent, but because of historical, cultural, geographic, and environmental issues and situations that have occurred, we don't understand that or realize that. But black people, by virtue of our physical our characteristics, our culture, our more our closer identification with the continent because it hasn't been so long since we've been in this country. And African culture is alive and well, even though we don't recognize it. 
many of our speech patterns and our ways of interacting, um, the way we use language, the way we associate with each other, are directly connected with that culture, even though we've forgotten where it came from. So understanding those connections is also very important. But travel, for travel's sake, is a wonderful thing. Uh, people need to know about the other folks that are living in this world, have more tolerance, look at how people are addressing issues that face in their community. So these are all factors that led us to start this institute 26 years ago, targeting our young people, kids Latino, kids of African descent. Hey, now, what in your youth do you think uh, inspired you or influenced you to get involved with something like the program, you, um, the institute you found? It was definitely my grandmother, definitely. My grandmother used to take us. To, my mother had to work three jobs. Uh, she was a single parent raising three boys, and we were a poor family. I'm the first in my family to graduate from high school. Uh, I didn't have any one in my immediate family get, get, get past the eighth grade. And I, uh, my grandmother was determined that we were not going to be in that condition, that three boys were going to get a good education. She took us to the museums. She took us to speeches she, and lectures. She took us to college campuses just to walk around. And she was very much invested in our having acquired knowledge about ourselves. And so as part of those visits, I began to see the Egyptian civilization at the museum. And I was inspired by that. I thought, wow, these people were African, and they did all of this. How could they do it, and how could we be in the position that we're in today? There's also Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and so many different uh, ancestors and contemporaries. Um, we had encyclopedias in our house. My grandmother made sure that we had encyclopedias, and I read voraciously. So I read about our people. I read about Africa, and it was such a contrast to what I was hearing and seeing. I, mean, I can remember my Sunday school teacher telling me that if you are not saved, if you're not baptized, then you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And I remember thinking about Tarzan and all the natives in, uh, in those movies, I mean, these, these kind of stereotypes, and the fact that none of those people who were depicted, even though many of them were in blackface and weren't actually black people, many of those people theoretically would never enter the kingdom of heaven because they didn't know Jesus, they didn't know baptism, and I, that didn't resonate very well with me. I mean, I, even at a young age, I, I, just, I was a thinker, and I could not imagine that there was a God who would say that because you haven't had exposure to something, you wouldn't enter the kingdom of heaven. And so these were the kinds of thoughts that motivated me to want to know more, but also realize that there were some intense injustices. And in the fact that I lived during the era of the civil rights movement at its peak in the 60s, and I saw the people being hosed down and dogs uh, beset upon them. You know, all of these things made me very angry. So at the same, same time I was reaching out, trying to figure out my identity as a black person, I was angered by the way that our people had been treated and wanted to know more about why and how. And it, it seemed to me that part of it was a denigration of who we are and our value as human beings. And there was something about our connection with Africa that gave us the potential to reclaim that heritage to reclaim that dignity, to overcome the vestiges of the enslavement and the brutality that were wreaked upon our people for hundreds of years. I also realized one more thing, Leslie, 
that was that prior to 300 years ago, Africa was not thought of in the way that it is today. Africa was seen as a place of great wealth and knowledge of one of some of the greatest universities were there from the earliest universities, the knowledge of that was now associated with Greek um, philosophy and Greek um, 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 scholarship derived directly from Africa. These, those, all those folks studied in Africa. So when I started to realize all these things, I realized, like, who was it that talked about the hokey doke? That the hokey doke had been perpetuated on us and that we had been brainwashed and that we had to reclaim, as someone else described it, our, our African mind. So those were some of the influences that inspired me to want to provide a forum for young people to rise out of the condition that we're in of lethargy, of, of, of um, we pretty much, we, we just accept this unnatural state that we're in. If you think about the state that many of our communities are in, you'd have to say they were not natural. They were abnormal states. They were mm-hmm. not states of wholeness and wellness. They're states of, of de- degradation and, and, and poverty and the lack of education. Those are unnatural so we've begun to accept unnatural as unnatural that uh, except that as, as natural I'm sorry that which is unnatural that had to be turned around and, and this the institute is a way to provide a forum for young people to begin to see how unnatural our state is and what is a natural state. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's beautiful, and I, I like to talk about to one point um, address because I too as a young person felt the same way like uh, like you did as far as how could God turn his back on people who didn't have the opportunity to meet Jesus. But when I learned the scripture that Jesus is the truth and the light, and I understood, and when I found out about Harriet Tubman and how mm-hmm. she read the Bible and mm-hmm. used the Bible as a way of revolutionizing freedom in our in our story here, and I learned about Nat Turner, how he also got it. So I understood what the scripture meant, that the truth is a life. So it wasn't necessarily the name Jesus or a certain image of Jesus. That's right. But yes. anything that's considered the truth, anyone who seeks the truth and really yes. wants to use it and says the truth is a person of spirituality and God owns them and claims them as his. So, yes. um, you know, I I never got hung up once I understood that Jesus is the truth and the light, and he wasn't an image, a picture, um, yes. all that cleared up. So I have Zion on the phone, and I want to ask you, Zion, you know, why did you participate in the institution, and how did you learn about it? Uh, good night. Z- Zion, Hello? can you hear me? Yes. Hi. Good night. Good evening. Uh, good evening. So, um we're on the line with your mentor, Mr. Michael Webb. We mm-hmm. we learned that you just came back from Africa, and I want to know how did you get involved, and how did you learn about um, the institute? And you know, just give us a little bit. Well, I learned about the institution from a friend of mine who was in the program prior to my arrival into the program. He had went to the Senegal travel overseas program or summer fellowship program, if you will. And um, basically around that time, I was concerned about my academic state at the moment and then 
he he told me about the program and he said this is a great opportunity. Uh, it teaches young black and Latino youth or com- youth from the communities of the African diaspora about Africa. It takes them back there, takes them on a journey, teaches them more about their culture. And at first I was very skeptical to get into the program, but once I came to the seminars, once I really tried to stop being one-sided and really opened up my mind and tried to get out of my comfort zone and experience new things, the program really became a beacon of light to me. And now that I've went on the the SFP and that I've come back and had the experiences that I had overseas in terms of learning about my culture, black empowerment, and, you know, travel in general, I feel like this is one of the best decisions that I've made. What were one of the barriers that you had to overcome when you said you had to finally open up and accept this view of Africa? I guess one of the barriers that I definitely had to overcome was myself. I would say the nervousness. Oh, going so far away from home. Oh, am I going to like this program? Oh, or or is is Africa dangerous? Or am I going there? But once I finally went out on the trip, really exposed myself to the world and came into my self-confidence, I realized that this journey could just be something more than traveling. It can actually be an experience of education and learning about my history, my culture, and my ancestors. Okay. And, and I like how you are owning your culture and your ancestors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have those sentiments prior to joining the Institute? Were you claiming that? I would say that I... I didn't. I won't say that I did because I didn't know too much about it. I mean, prior to my perce- prior, my perception of Africa was limited. Oh, it's very dangerous. It would be nice to go on a safari in Africa. Oh, uh, oh. Africa is. is uh, I, I don't know if I would want to go and live on that continent. This place is very dangerous. But and there's a lot of poverty there. But after I went to Africa, I realized it's a diverse place. I mean, it's just like anywhere else on Earth. You have the places that have poverty. You have places that are just wild. You have places that are very civilized. And you have communities that are as developed as anywhere else in North America or the Western world, as we call it. And I guess after going to Africa, it really showed me that this is just another place on Earth. We have our struggles. But you know what? Coming from a place and really owning a place is embracing its successes, embracing its struggles, and learning how to move forward. Excellent. I know you are very, very proud of Michael. I am. You know, over over 26 years to have the ability to work with young people, all these young people have a spark. What you heard what Zion say is that he had trepidations and reservations, but he went forward anyway. How many, you know, there's an expression, many are called, few are chosen. I would right. like to increase the number of those few. But it's, but it's true that these young people come to Wildlife for a reason. There's a spark in them. And so to see that spark turn into a flame and to see them grow and develop. Um, our alumni are, they all go to college. Uh, the students are in Wildlife, 100% go to college. And then once they finish college, well over half of them pursue careers in service areas. This inculcation uh-huh. about commitment to our community pays off. They, they, they are in health, they're in uh, law, they're in youth development, education. I mean, they pursue these careers 
partially, they say, they tell me, as a result of what they've learned in IYLI, the commitment that they've developed to improve in our communities, to working in our communities. Now, Sayon, um, I want you to talk to the listeners, especially the youth that uh, had the same sentiments that you had, um, and try to, you know, persuade them that they too should join the Institute and embrace Africa. I guess the first thing that I would start off by saying is, I guess, to encourage them to encourage you all as listeners to get into the program is there's a lot that's going on in this world, and there's a, there's a lot out there. You turn on the television, you see a lot of negativity, you, you go a lot of places and you hear a lot of ignorance, but there's actually a place where you can go where you can just be filled with knowledge. And IYLI is, is something that has just been a beacon of knowledge to me. This is a program where you can go, where you can learn about your culture, you can learn about yourself, you can learn about your history. Even if you are not African-American or Latino immediately, I mean, we, we accept people from all culture, all cultures. We deal with the issues primarily relating to those communities, but anyone who has ears and eyes can come in, listen to these issues and relate to us and, I guess, open up to a place that has had so much history on the world, that is the cradle of civilization. And going to Africa is definitely a transforming experience. It would depend on what country you go to for what kind of uh, experience that you want to have in terms of culture and history and roots. But Africa as a whole, as a continent, is a very diverse place with very diverse cultures. And many different places in the world have cultures that transcend from Africa. So definitely, if you want to go to the root, the, the, the beginning of the stem, Africa is definitely a place to go. There's Many different places on the world that you can go to if you want a vacation. Africa is one of them. However, if you want a, an educational trip, if you want a historical trip, a spiritual trip, then Africa is definitely one of the best places that you can go to get that kind of experience. And to persuade you into doing something like that, I mean, yes, it's scary going all the way to the other side of the world, being on a plane for so long, but if you can just mm-hmm. invest, you know, that little travel time, if you could just invest uh, in in yourself, have a little self-confidence, get out there, get rid of those fears, and just step in and, and embrace something else and try to have a, a life-changing experience. It can be that for you, but you just got to make it. Now, <laughs> I want to ask you about the spirituality, both of you, um, Mr. Webb, as well. Uh, Zion mentioned spiritual, or spiritual transformation. Um, mm-hmm. When I traveled over to Africa, I could not stop thinking about the journey our ancestors took. I was extremely uncomfortable and restless in the plane for those mm-hmm. several, several hours. And all I kept thinking about was how my ancestors felt mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. blessed I was that I was alive. And how did they make it? It, it, You know, I thought I was going to die on a plane, and, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. supposed to be in comfort. So, Zion, what did you think about this trip? When you say spiritual, did you think about our ancestors taking this route, Mm -hmm. going through the Middle Passage? Mm -hmm. You know, now that you mention it and I flash back, I definitely did. I mean, going on on, on the plane 
on a transatlantic flight. I was I was very I mean it was it was different at first. I was like, oh my gosh, if something happened, he's got where we're over the ocean. But then I was thinking, hundreds of years ago, our ancestors took this very same journey, and however uncomfortable that I feel, they must have felt ten times more uncomfortable being chained and you know in a secluded space with so many of uh, people who were just in that horrible situation with them. And I was thinking, this is the very passage that I'm flying over right now. I mean, the journey that I'm taking is is difficult, but what they went through was so much worse, as you could say. And going there and flying over and taking the the journey very similar to the, the middle passage, I would have to say that it's definitely, I mean, it's, the middle passage, it wasn't a positive thing, but I would have to say that going over was definitely a good way to, I guess, connect with your past history uh, in, in terms of that element of it to go into Africa. There's, I mean, that's the only way to get to the continent, but at the same time, thinking back to the 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 path that they took and the passage that they took, I mean, that's the that's the closest thing I could have to their experience. I mean, I wouldn't want to live in their shoes in that moment for a day, but I definitely have to say thinking about it and and going over and it's just I'm at a loss of words just trying to think about what they went through and you know, I had the opportunity to fly over to Africa from there and go on a journey almost similar to theirs. You know, let's yes. see also the, too, so part of the part of the program was going from Morocco to Spain. Because there's a cultural mm-hmm. continuity from Spain all the way down into Senegal uh, that was mm-hmm. uh, the result of the, uh, the, the 700s when uh, Africans colonized Spain. And so traveling across the Straits of Gibraltar by ferry and then returning mm-hmm. was also retracing mm-hmm. the footsteps of our ancestors, but in a different way. Instead of mm-hmm. their going to be as enslaved, they were going as conquerors and civilizers and bringing the and maintaining mm-hmm. the light of civilization in Europe at a time when that light had dimmed. Mm-hmm. People were burning books in Spain. They were accusing mm-hmm. anyone with knowledge of being a witch. And so here come our African ancestors who's bringing street lights and public baths and rebuilding libraries, you know, bringing a level of civilization that provided a connector with the ancient classical civilizations, the works of all those ancient philosophers and, and health and healers and architects and engineers, they were the transmitters of that in Spain. And taking that trip from Morocco across the Straits of Gibraltar, also named after a black man, uh, Tariq, that's a, it was called the Mountain of Tariq, Gabra al-Tariq, or, or Gibraltar, that was also a very spiritual experience. Wonderful, and I'm not familiar with that uh, story, and I'm glad that you you uh, you mentioned. I just saw a typo. Um, is a a very good point. So you got to experience uh, different journeys and learn, as you say, the uh, teach and and learn more about the victorious routes we took as conquerors, as you say. Yes. And and one could al- and, one could also even mm-hmm, argue, uh-huh. based on Ivan Van Sertema's work and others. Uh, that mm-hmm. Van Waffenau and other people that uh, Africans traveled to this hemisphere in ancient times. And so they didn't just come through the Mafa or the Middle Passage, but they also mm-hmm. came as explorers 
I mean, there's a story mm-hmm. that in, in uh, 1307, when Mansa Musa became the king of the Mali Empire, he became the king because his predecessor, predecessor Abu Bakari II, he mm-hmm. left with 3,000 ships and sailed west, and he never mm-hmm. came back. And so there are many who ah. have found traits of African civilization, African presence in the Western Hemisphere, in pre- way before Columbus, of course, uh, Mm-hmm. not just from Mali, but even from the ancient Egyptians, also sailing across the Atlantic Ocean. So we've, we've made that voyage, many people think, for thousands and thousands of years. And so it wasn't just during the Middle Passage or the Mafa. And that's a, that's a point that few of us know, because that kind of information is hidden from us. I mean, you, don't, you don't learn that in school, the possibility right. of those things. And it makes sense. You know, why would we, as Africans, if we have the Garden of Eden and all our needs are met in Africa, why would we want to come to this Western Hemisphere and, and live here? Yes. You know, w- you know, we have Africa. Africa was it, you know. So I could un- understand why we as explorers would be all over the place, but we wouldn't choose this place as yes. a place to settle. So that makes perfectly good sense to me. And I like to ask Zion, and I muted him because he had background noise, but I like to ask Zion um, to compare what he learned on this trip to uh, the history and the social studies and the civics mm-hmm. that he's been taught in public, I, I assume public education, Zion? Uh, Zion, why don't you say your grade, what grade you're in, your age, and a little bit about you yourself so they know, that, yeah. know who you are. Well, right now, I just came from the 10th grade, going into the 11th grade. I'm 16. And in terms of public education, I did learn a lot about Africa and in global history this year. Our history, this was my first year of taking, I mean, real global history. The last time I had taken it was in about sixth grade, and it wasn't very enjoyable. But this year, I guess the teacher that we had, it really made it a great experience, and we had learned about all around the world rather than just America, America, America. And one of the particular places that we learned about was Africa, and we learned about the uprisings and the different leaders, Kwame Nakura, um, Jomo Kenyatta, we learned about the British colonization and the scramble of Africa. So I would say that IYLI definitely helped me learn a lot about um, Africa and a lot more than I had already known. And I would say public education did play a role. It didn't teach me everything, but it taught me a lot more than I had been exposed to before this particular year. Wonderful. And give us the name of your teacher who did such an exceptional job with you. Uh, Mr. Parrott. Okay, could you repeat Star the name Early of the school? College. I'm sorry. Star Say it again. Science, Technology, and Research. Early College High School at Erasmus. Okay, and the teacher's name again? Mr. Paris. P-A-R-R-I-S. Wonderful. Now, um... How do you plan on using what you learned and what you are learning with the Institute as an adult, Zion, and in your community? I guess one one way of using this uh, going forward as an institution, I'm sorry, 
one way of using this going forward is definitely to have more education within myself. I mean, I know where my roots are. I know where my background are. I can hold my head up high because I can definitely say this is my history, and I'm not going in there all confused and not listening to the outside voices about what's happening in the community, what's happening in society, because I can definitely come from an objective point of view and say this is the truth, this is what's happening. And I guess how I can use this to educate others is I know I've had several other conversations with people since the time that I've been back from Morocco, and they've expressed certain political views. And while they're entitled to their own views, um, what I've learned is a lot of the the ideas that they have are very contradictory to what I've learned in IYLI or some of the truths that, I, that I've learned here in IYLI. And I definitely know more about Africa now in terms of its connection to society, its connection to humanity, its prominent place in history. And I can definitely say going forward is in terms of is spreading the message, I would say, uh, to those around me, definitely uh, getting out there. I like public speaking. Um, I'm a person who frequently does sermons at my church, and I definitely want to bring that up the next time that I have the opportunity to do a Black History Month sermon, which is to spread the message about Africa and and really help change the perception. Because a lot of people, when they hear the term Africa, they don't want to go there. They say that, oh, it's a bush area, it's not safe, I'm definitely not going down there. But how, I would say going back, I feel a lot better actually going and seeing and proving myself wrong and proving others wrong than just sitting down here feeling comfortable and feeling content in my ways, I would say. So definitely spreading the message is one thing I can do in terms of improving others, improving those around me and improving my own perception as well. Hello? Every student who, tra- who participates in our programs has to complete a follow-up plan. So yes. What is your follow-up plan for your, your experience in Morocco? My follow-up plan for the experience in Morocco is, one, I want to do a presentation to my church on what I did when I went over to Morocco, which was visit uh, NGOs such as the USAID, the Peace Corps, And I definitely want to also um, spread the message to many other youth that attend my church and the the positivity that you can gain from attending a program like such as IYLI. You can learn a lot about um, your history, your culture, geography, and environment, and it's definitely an empowering experience. When you go back to college, you're definitely more educated. Another part of my follow-up plan is I want to definitely speak to some of the fellows who will be coming to orientation at IYLI next year. And the orientation process is something that we um, have. It's a one-week thing. It's a one-week program, excuse me, where we have the fellows who have already uh, passed through the year and are definitely committed to coming on the SFP. It, we help them get more familiar with the procedures, the correct conduct and behavior, and safety procedures when they get over to the country that they're going to be visiting for the SFP. And I definitely want to speak there and try to um, make sure that they know that what these group leaders are talking about is not fiction. You definitely have these concerns when you're going over to this country. These are some of the things that I've learned. Um, These are 
you can definitely gain, um, I guess, personal knowledge and experience when you go over on this trip. So definitely I want to speak to the the new incoming fellows next year at orientation about, I guess, a student's perspective on what they can definitely get when they go over on this SFB, Summer Fellowship Program. Okay. And, Mr. Webb, what is your legacy? What is one of your dreams that you would like to see become a reality as a result of all the work you've been doing with your institution? Well, you know, I wanted to make sure that people understood that IYLI is not a travel program. IYLI is a liberation program. W.E.B. Du Bois, he, he had a quote that was something like the, the major issue of or challenge of the 20th century was the challenge of the, for the color line. Uh, I think that for the 21st century, our major challenge is the mind. You know, we have to free our minds from believing in our inferiority, from accepting that unnatural condition that we have found ourselves in. You know, we're at the bottom of everything that we should be at the top of, at the top of things we should be at the bottom of. Like we're in the top of incarceration rates. We're at the bottom in terms of educational attainment and income. Well, who's going to change that? We have to change that. No one's going to come down riding a chariot and, and liberate our communities. We need to develop young people who have the ability to think critically, can see our plight, understand it in the historical context, and help to lead us out of it. So my vision is that through travel, through affinity with our African culture and Africanness, through being well-educated and committed and inculcating a commitment to community service, public service in our community, that we will see more and more young people taking the lead to help to battle against the forces that are trying to keep the status quo. That's my vision for this, is that, you know, we'll see that kind of a liberation process and movement be, uh, in, be, be reinforced because it's going on now. People are working hard on our behalf, but we need to uh, multiply that by a thousand because we're in such okay. a dire condition today. Just look around. All you got to do is look around. Mm-hmm. If you live anywhere in this country, when you look at the situation in which most people of African descent live, we are in a dire strait. It's not time to be complacent. It's time to, to be proactive and to be, be uh, about, all about the business of uplifting us and keeping the legacy that has been created by our ancestors who sacrificed so much so that we could have education today. And, of course, not to take advantage of that you know, is uh, really – a criminal, and it's a diss, as they would say, to the legacy of those ancestors. So the legacy of IYLI is a legacy of liberation, producing more young people who are going to carry that banner who are going to help us to uplift ourselves from the dire straits in which we are today. Okay. Now, I saw some of your pictures, and I posted them on Facebook, and I noticed there were some pictures regarding sustainability in Africa. Uh, Could you talk about, you know, how Africa is recycling and uh, using different technologies. And I posted a video of a car manufacturer, electric car manufacturer out of Nigeria. Yes. Do do you want to talk more about um, the technology and the development, the movement that's going on in Africa? There's a gentleman in Senegal. Oh, sorry. Okay. I'm going to ask you, Mr. Webb, the answer is 
Can you repeat the question? I'm sorry. Okay, I was asking, did you witness, from the pictures that I, I, I looked at on your Facebook page, I noticed there was a sustainability movement in Africa. Did you witness any of that? And if you did, tell us a little bit of what you learned. Sustainability movement. I didn't uh, see too much of that. I didn't go to Senegal. I had went to Morocco and Spain. However, one okay. movement that I did see over there when I was in Africa, um, Morocco more specifically, I would say it was definitely more of an effort to, I guess, reunite Moroccans to to more, more of Africa as a whole continent, but I didn't see too much of a sustainability movement when I was in Morocco. Yeah, okay. if I could just and say like, that that was a different that was a different program. We we had three programs this summer. Uh, one program mm. focused on sustainability, energy and energy, one on immigration, and the Morocco program was about I- immigration. The students studied issues of immigration and related them to this country's issues of immigration through the lens of another country. So being in Morocco mm-hmm. took them out of their comfort zone took them out of their regular way of looking at things to address an issue that affects us here as well. So they did seminars on immigration. They met with people who were working on immigration because, as you know, Morocco is a major jumping-off point for Africans who are trying to get to a better life to go to Europe. And so they leave from Mm -hmm. Africa by boat. Uh, Many of them perish on the way, but they leave because they are trying to pursue a better life. So being over there, they were able to get a perspective on immigration that was different from the way they look at it here, but able to apply that perception and perspective back to what we're doing here. In Senegal, mm-hmm. we focus on energy and the politics of energy. And there are actually um, people who have invented uh, devices that use solar and wind power that are being widely used from Senegal. There are a number of great inventors from Senegal. I mean, everything from, think about a rural village with no electricity, how do you power up your mm-hmm. cell phones? I mean, they've created all kinds of apps and technologies to, to, to harness the power of the wind and the, and the sun in order to meet the problems of community development. And the students who were there, they learned about how others have dealt with these issues of energy in order to apply those ideas here in this country. Like, how do we ensure that low-income communities you know, are adequately energy-resourced? So that's not just a matter of of having enough money to pay the con ed with that, you know, we're able to think more creatively about what our energy needs are and how we can create the kinds of innovations and inventions that can support those needs. That was the focus of that Senegal program. And in South Africa, what the students looked at is entrepreneurship. How do we become better entrepreneurs? You know, how do we develop business plans? How do we think about creating connections in our community that are going to benefit, be full beneficial, not just for ourselves, but for our community as a whole? Instead of relying on other people to provide services, how can we be entrepreneurs and think about better ways to provide those services so money begins to stay more in our community? That was the focus of South Africa's program. So each one of these programs has a theme, and the theme is always to look at these issues from a cross-cultural and cross-national perspective, thinking about how it relates to our connection to Africa, but also what do we do back at home? It's not just about something esoteric. It's very practical. We're thinking about new solutions that we can learn from our people and that we can apply here in our community. Wow. Okay, now it's time for you to give everyone your contact information 
and tell them that, you know, we need their support. We actually do need your support because, you know, for us, the work that we're doing, if you've listened to this last half hour, you realize this is not something that foundations are funding. The government's not funding this. In fact, these are the kinds of things that they're not allowing us to do. There's no travel programs for our young people to go to Africa, unlike Israel, where the Jewish people send their young people because they understand the power of that connection. So we need the community's help to do this work that we're doing. Please contact us. And we're, our address, our telephone number, let me just give that to you, is 212-222-0404. 222-0404, area code 212. And we're the International Youth Leadership Institute. Our website is IYLI.org. Very simple to remember. But we need your contributions. We need the support of the community to do this work because that's how we're going to sustain it for another 25 years is through the help of the people who know it's important, you, our community. But thank you so much. Thank you. Any parting words, Mrs. Diane? And Zion, give us your full name. Well, my full name is Zion Dicoto, and I would definitely have to say that if I could do this all again next year, which I plan on doing, I definitely want to do it because this was a worthwhile experience. However, if I want to do this again next year and if we want people to continue to do this in the future, then support, support, support is definitely something that we need as an organization because no one is funding us. And we we need donations. We need to. This is not a government funded program. We need donations. We need sponsors. And you is where it begins. Whatever you have, if you can please support IYLI as a program, your your contribution is not going down the drain. We have sent <laughs> kids for over twenty six years to the motherland and back in one piece safely. And when we when when we, Sent them there as an organization. They haven't been wasting time there. They haven't been partying. They haven't been staying down there and just not doing anything, going on a summer trip. They've been learning about their history. They've been connecting to their culture. And they've been going back to their roots and finding something in this life that's just more than vanity, something that is knowledge. So this program can continue, but we need the support of the community. And we want more programs like these in the community. We definitely want IYLI to be something that can be around for a long time to come to impact as many young lives as we have. Wonderful. I thank the two of you. Uh, You're doing extraordinary work, and uh, audience, stay tuned. You're going to hear a lot from Zion. I'm pretty sure we will. Uh, Have a good night, fellas. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Good night, everyone. Good night. Peace and blessings. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.